this is the Misdirected Mark Podcast, a podcast about gaming, game mastering, and entertaining you, our listeners. We are explicit, you have been warned, and I'd like to thank Mike Willard for letting us use his music on our show. Now let's pick up those mics and get on with this thing. Well, this does not look good. Well, I suspect it's because you are outnumbered. Outnumbered? Remember, I spent points on minions. Uh, Jerry, you spent a point on minions. A, a single point? I, I'm not even sure what that gets you. What's like uh, three cats? Well, what kind of cats? Um, just three cats. Like normal cats? I mean, technically, if you're going by the rules here, he spent a point. So they're not normal. They're exceptional, like, for cats. You're so screwed. <laughs> to be my minions! Meow? And with that, welcome to the 437th episode of the Misdirected Mark podcast. Tonight, we are discussing using minions and hench people in your games as both player and GM. Along the way, we're going to take your suggestions, comments, examples, the chat room for life before jumping into the after show. But first, my name is Jerry. My name is Phil. And I am Old Man Logan. May I first just start by by um, recognizing the word hench people? Yes. Oh, um, which thank I you. love, but I think that maybe what we need is to use the more modern term of like independent contractor. Yes. <laughs> independent. I've, always used, I've always used the term flunky. Yeah, I mean, flunky kind of denotes like some sort of lack of skill or whatever, but independent contractor might also be a um, a good term for uh, for our topic tonight. And if of course, independent another... contractor, independent con- contractor uh, implies that you actually pay them. So hench oh, people can true. actually be unpaid. Yeah, well, you shouldn't trump your hench people. You said the T word. I know. Hey, I'll so I only say it once. How about that temperature check? We should do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the mood is light. So, Phil, how are you feeling? Um, kind of garbage. Um, maybe good. Um, good word for it. Um, I've um had my ups and downs. Um, this past week. Um, I don't know. A few panic attacks. A pretty crushing bout of depression on Saturday. Oh no. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm you know just kind of stringing it along right now so Man, yeah i'm sorry i'm um i'm what you call um high functioning right so i just you know this this trash can of this trash can of my uh what you call it this trash can of my uh mental health just uh keeps rolling makes podcasts <clears throat> and goes to work and stuff um anyway uh otherwise physically i feel fine uh, I got a few bike rides in uh, earlier, like this weekend and earlier this week. Um, so uh, physically, I feel better. Uh, I always feel better if I ride. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's me. Um, how about you, Jer? Um, fairly decent. It's been a, a hectic couple of days just because of work. Uh, everything from employees leaving to employees getting sick. And just the fact that we're kind of winding out the month. So the last week of the month is always a little bit hectic. But it's not been too bad. It's been a little bit hectic, I guess. I'd just say it's been quick days at work, though, which is good. Um, I've been smart enough to get to bed at a decent hour, so I've been getting between five and six and a half hours sleep every night, which is a lot of fun. So as opposed to my normal, like, you know, three to six. So um, <laughs> it's much better. So, Bob, how about you? 
three to six, man. Oh, I, <laughs> I could not function with that for more than like a day and a half. You get used to it. I, 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 I rarely get like more than, I mean, I spent years where I was getting, you know, where I was going to bed for four to five hours a night at most and getting like half that natural sleep. So my sleep that would be yeah. Um, I feel pretty good um, physically uh, and mentally. Um, it's um, um, an average day. Uh, it was it was it was pretty mellow. So I'm, I'm gonna chalk that up as good. And uh, and uh, let's jump into the one thing. Um, there is an echo in my house. There's an echo in my house because there's a big chunk of empty space. <laughs> today was moving day and my housemate isn't all gone <laughs> there's a whole thing with the movers essentially there always uh, is there always is they they couldn't fit all the stuff on the truck and because of reasons and so there's still like you know a third of the stuff here um but hey you know what are you gonna do all the big pieces all the real furniture stuff is gone so this big empty space my my dining room slash living room uh, area the one big room with the hardwood floors is mostly empty so it's like this big <laughs> echo chamber but you know it's it's uh that's the beginning of the next phase of my life so yeah uh, i'm ready to 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 do the thing i've got my recliner set up like in the middle of the room now pointing at the tv <laughs> so it'll be nice to actually um it'll be nice to actually depart your room uh, to go do stuff. Yeah. Before the weekend is up, I, I figure I'm not going to do it during the week because I still have work to do during the, during the weekdays and I've got stuff to do on the evenings this week. Um, so on like Friday night, uh, for a while and then Saturday, Sunday, Monday, when the, when the holiday weekend is over the course of the weekend, I'm going to move my bed upstairs to the actual bedroom and then I will have a clear separation between sleeping area and work and podcasting and all that stuff. And, um, so yeah, that'll be a thing. Yeah. That's going to be really nice. <laughs> Excuse me. All right, Jerry, what about you? I watched army of the dead. Uh, it is a fun zombie heist film. Um, not that, well, actually I'm just gonna leave that alone. This is, it's a fun zombie heist film. <laughs> um, this is a fun film. Um, it is a turn off your brain and enjoy it kind of film. If you think about, like the science behind it or some of the things that go on in it. Uh, I mean, any movie, and this is not a, not a secret. They talk right over the first opening <laughs> part, any movie where they plan to detonate a nuke at some point, you know, that the science is going to be completely goofy. Um, but if you just turn off your brain and enjoy it, it's a fun action film. It's got some good story. They did a good job of developing the characters so that the like eight or 10 characters that you, you meet, you know enough about all of them to care about them so that when horrible things begin to happen, you like you're like oh no or I really hope they survive and there's a couple of really good you know fist pump moments as well. It's just a fun movie if you like action flicks, if you like Dave Bautista, if you like um, creative zombie idea movies, if you like heist movies. These are all things that they all kind of come together. Um, and uh, I mean there, there there's even uh, there's even a bit of a flashback mechanic in it. So uh, so there's a lot of that. So um, it's a fun film if you if sounds like something if any part of that sounds like you enjoy you'll probably enjoy it uh, i would not give it a 10 out of 10 but it's a good solid seven and a half or eight um and uh, that's all i'll say it's good fun bill what's your one thing um i uh read uh mercy volume two uh this weekend you um, your copy? 
Uh, well, it came out on um, Comixology, so I, 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 I got a digital um, – I, I downloaded it digitally. I actually yeah. – so I actually read Mercy Volume 1 and then Volume 2 because I didn't want to um, forget anything. So for people who don't know, um, Mercy is uh, the continuation of Sunstone. It's actually, I think, Sunstone, Sunstone Mercy. Yeah. Um, it's a continuation of Sunstone, uh, which is just – that is an amazing set of graphic novels about – um bdsm and falling in love um and things like that and mercy like continues that along by now telling the stories of how the minor characters in the um from sunstone met and their relationships and their explorations of uh sexuality queerness kink things like that um if uh if you have not read sunstone um I can't even recommend it enough. It is, um, it is, it is absolutely amazing. The story is beautiful. Um, the kink is handled, um, both well and very tastefully. Um, the artwork is amazing. Um, and, uh, the characters are entirely human and real. And while I like my, while I like my BDSM at times, fantastic and, you know, somewhat unrealistic, um sunstone portrays uh a very realistic um bdsm couple um like like really human what it's you know what it's really like to be in the lifestyle um with things that with things that work and don't work and like when things go wrong and all of those things what it's like to learn about the lifestyle when you think you're vanilla but think that you might not be vanilla yes how you deal with all those problems as well it's it's a very touching positive uh and there's a lot of drama which is also fun yeah and so mercy just continues this uh storyline because you now get to meet um and you get the backstories to uh some of the other characters and so mercy focuses on um alan um alan and um and his girlfriend uh which is great um because you kind of learn her story and then alan's story is intertwined with Allie like how they both got into uh, BDSM. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just great. And it's beautiful. And they're just, they're fantastic to read. So I, I pretty much just dedicated my weekend um, free time to uh, reading Mercy Volume 1 and 2. Um, and it was great. No regret, no regrets whatsoever. Uh, and, but now again, I'll just have to wait like another year yeah. for the next one to, to come out. Cause they come out like about once a year. Yeah. If you're a patron, I think Jerry is like, you get yep. to see it as they kind of go in production, but um, yeah. I'm the kind of person who doesn't read the rules to a Kickstarter game until they're finalized. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just don't touch it until it's oh, okay. like, actually, I don't yeah. touch it till it's actually out. Yeah. Um, okay. And to be I clear, like, well, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just want to make a point because Cassandra brought it up and just in case, you know, you want, we want our other bases covered. Um, when you said minor characters earlier, secondary characters, there's no, like, there's no underage okay. people in yeah. like, yeah. like just correct. to be hundred percent above 100% board. Correct. They're, secondary they're secondary characters. characters to the original story. Yes. This, this I was just the talking creators off the, cuff of, yeah, the, yeah, the word. Yeah. The yes. creators are very, very much aware of 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 like age limits and everything. Like there's no It is <laughs> it is single handedly one of positive. Yeah, yes. it's one of the um it's probably in terms of um reading material and stuff, it's one of the most kink positive yeah, absolutely. um like and, reads that I've like that I've like said, I've had. The the art is gorgeous. The the the, mm-hmm. the creator I can never pronounce his name, but uh, he, 
Stefan Sajic. Amazing, amazing artist. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, anyway, that was my weekend read. I um, 100% uh, 100% enjoyed it. Um, Good. It was good. All right, quick announcements. Um, I'll do just a really short one. Voyager Week 12, uh, we're still doing it. Um, We are into our second week of uh, Season 5. Tonight, we are watching... Um, one of my all-time favorite Voyager episodes, which is Timeless. Um, it's a kick-ass story. It has a kick-ass cameo in it, um, and it's just a lot of fun. Um, so that's our second watch for tonight. The first one is also good. Um, the first one will have you going, what? Um, which I think is kind of Voyager's, one of Voyager's specialties now. They've gotten really good at that, um, like making you really confused or gasp before they hit the opening credits like their cold opening is pretty um their cold opening game is pretty solid uh and tonight's no exception and then later this week um we have one of um next to tuvix as i said to you guys earlier next to tuvix it is one of the best ethical dilemmas uh episodes in the series um oh it's fantastic as soon as it came on i like the, when i was watching it last summer i was like oh this is like like we're gonna we're gonna have a good time this week Anyway, we don't have a, a large number of episodes this week um, with the holiday weekend coming up. I, you know, didn't want to overload people, but um, you'll get your fix. Jer, All right. tell me about the hardest working man in RPGs. That's not Jason Pitt. Jason's here. So it, not, <laughs> not to be confused with Jason. Tell me about the tell me about the American hardest working man in RPGs um, okay. is up to something that's not even RPG related because that's how hardworking they are. And this is our game designer in front of the show, Ilona La Santa. He has a new musical release with his band, Strays of the World. It's his first album. Um, the new album, In My Head, is available on his website, straysoftheworldmusic.com, uh, which is in, which will be in the notes. It is also now in the stream. Um, it's a mix of rock and funk and pop. And when he first uh, sent me a, a, a single song from it, I wasn't sure that it was my kind of cup of tea. Uh, and then I listened to the song, and it is an earworm. And then I listened to the rest of the snippets um you can hear snippets of all the songs on his website you can also download uh, my siren which is the first song that he sent and that one is much catchier than uh than that i was expecting um, i enjoyed it i was looking to it i'm like ah, i'm not sure this is my thing but the end of it i'm like god damn it now i gotta listen to it again if people uh, didn't know like yeah. aloy's very eclectic and so mm-hmm. besides doing all of his role-playing stuff Aloy for a while has been podcasting. Um, po- he's he's been doing um, I think YouTube videos, not podcasts about um, about Prince. Um, yeah. Aloy is like a like huge um, Prince fan. I, fan's not even the right word. Like no. scholar at this point. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and and you know had been doing YouTube um, YouTube video series based on that, and then I think just kind of drifted into like. I think I'm just going to write some music and you know, it's Aloy. Like when Aloy puts his mind to something like he's just going to go get it done. And he did. Yep. Um, it's awesome. And it's good. And it's good. Yeah, he's great. It's, it's, it's good. Um, so if, if, if you want to listen to some rock, punk, punk, pop, rock, punk, rock, punk, pop, there we go. Um, I guess pop is a combination of pop. There we yeah, go. Careful there. Uh, but it's, it's a lot of fun, um, and I would recommend it. Um, it's been out for about uh, just, just over two weeks, and uh, it's a good music list. So give it a shot. Cool. Although we said hi. 
All right, that brings us to the feature segment, which, of course, is one of our favorites, The Workshop. Gird yourself, Phil. And... Workshop! Workshop! It's time for the minions! Sit back in your headquarters, send them out to do your bidding! Protect yourself with a ring of minions so that none of the heroes can get to you! Use those minions effectively! You're gonna learn how here, in the workshop! Don't suck. Literally do not write any of those. I'm pretty sure everybody can tell. (laughs) So tonight's workshop is going to be about mastering minions. These are the minor characters that assist the more significant NPCs and the PC. And we're going to start by doing what we do best, which is look at what minions do, (laughs) what they do in the game, give advice on GMs using minions, and provide some tips on how to use them best as a player. Then the second half of the segment, we're at the round table and talk about our experiences with minions. And of course, in order to get this discussion underway, we need to set up some definitions. So, Phil. Behold! You are in the presence of Definition Panda. Righto. All right, let's let's uh, let's kick it off with... Um, we got a bunch of terms tonight, but we're going to kick it off with the most obvious one, which is minion. Right, a follower underling of a powerful person, especially a servile or unimportant one. Uh, in RPGs, nearly in all cases, minions is kind of a type of NPC. They're almost always a lower power slash skill level than um, the PCs or the major NPCs. Um, they often serve more powerful characters, right? So they might serve like a big boss. They might be the minions of a lieutenant of like another, like, you know, big boss or something like that. They could even be in service to a PC. So we'll talk about that as uh, as well. Um, next term, mook, a stupid or incompetent person. Um, this term often gets used interchangeably with minions in many games, right? So some games will refer to like mook rules. Um, I don't know. We, it may come up in tonight's discussion. I probably will just use minion as the more common term. Yeah. Uh, gang or mob. Um, I, I don't think I need to describe, I don't need to define it, but in terms of RPGs, this is usually a reference to a group of minions. Um, and in it, depending on the game you're playing, that group of minions could be represented by a single mechanical entity within the game. Um, and that will get like we'll get into why that um, we'll get into why that could be important or why that could be useful for you um, as we get into further into the show. Uh, hireling a person unemployed a uh, person employed to undertake menial work. Um, these are minions that are employed by someone to do a task for them. Uh, in the old days, it was common, like the old days of D&D, it was common to have hirelings uh, help with things like carrying your treasure, um, being a scribe, um, you know, your basic weapons caddy, right? Like, you know, just <laughs> carrying all your gear, um, that kind of thing. A uh, hench person. A faithful follower or political supporter, especially one prepared to engage in a crime or a, or dishonest practices by way of service. I love it. Um, in AD&D, these were in AD&D back in the days. These were considered higher level, like higher level hirelings, right? Like they were they were better hirelings. Um, it's not really as much of a thing now, I think, in D&D. Um, uh, and it's more often attributed to like minions. Right. Like when you say hench person, like it's more often like minions who follow like a villain or somebody who's doing crimes. Uh, And then lastly, followers, Um, an ardent or devotee of a particular person, cause or activity. 
these are minions who join a character's cause. Uh, they still require things like upkeep and salary and stuff like that, but their reason for joining wasn't for the pay. It's because they believe in who, whomever they're following um, in <clears throat> what they do, what they say, or who they are, right? Okay. So it's a different kind of, it's a different kind of minion, uh, but it gets at the reason why um, they're there. All right. So with those terms set, Jerry, what can you tell us about what makes up a minion? Well, let's see. Uh, so what makes them tick? In terms of mechanics, the minions are often going to be a simplified version of the character. Some of you know really stats and skills, but none of them are going to be exceptionally high. In many cases, the value is going to be half or lower. Uh, they're also going to have very little equipment left or armor. Uh, whatever is going to make sense for the game, but nothing super detailed. And if they have any kind of power, it's normally just one or two powers, and they're normally going to be at a very low level. They're, they're henchmen. Right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, there, there's a note in here from uh, you know, this movie Double Dragon. At the very end, it ends with the two main henchmen, henchmen staying by the side of the road with a sign that says, we'll hench for food, because they're now out of work. Yeah, they, so, exactly. That's exactly what they need. So, right. Bill? Yeah, narratively, a minion may or may not even have a name. Um, if uh, if there's only a few of them, um, then maybe they're going to have individual names, right? Roderick the Torchbearer, Alwyn the Sage, that kind of thing. Um, or the entire group of minions may just have a name, right? Like the Fifth Street Devil Cats, right? Like they're just, they're a gang. Um, and they don't have individual names for the sake of the story unless it's needed, yeah. right? Um, they rarely have individual descriptions, um, though, if you have a group of them, right, like a gang, like um, um, like a gang, like a mercenary group or something like that, they might have a uniform or colors or something to denote them. Right. Like we can tell these guys are, you know, these guys are the, you know, mercenaries of so and so because, you know, of the patch on their arm or something like that. Um, and that's often old school cyberpunk. <laughs> What's that? With the booster games from most oh, of the exactly. Yeah, yeah. And basically that's just done to help kind of code them as so that you know like you know who they are. But again, not um terribly significant in the case in the in the course of the narrative. Now, depending on the game you play, you might have also have a mechanical representation of a mob. The mob is going to be an aggregate of minions together. And depending on the system, there would be rules on how to aggregate their mechanical stats to something more powerful. Right. So, for instance, like if you have a group of three to five minions, then you just take like like maybe in, in the game we're talking about completely hypothetical. You just take their stats, but you add a plus one to it because there are three of three to five of them now working in concert. Uh, uh, Genesis does that. Where basically a minion group is they give you a single stat and then for every additional minion in the group, you bump up the die size by one and you roll one set of dice. For all those minions acting at once. Exactly. And because of mechanical representations, you're not stuck rolling handfuls of dice over and over again. We're going to talk about that in a little bit as well. Um, mm -hmm. But fate does the same thing, right? Fate has fate has uh, ways to group up minions and things like that. Cool. So this is all done for a number of different reasons. Number one is that it reduces the number of term resolutions the GM has to take. Yeah, if there are 10 minions and each of them, you know, technically has an individual turn, which you could do if you're playing, um, the GM has to take 10 actions and then resolve them all. Like this minion's going to attack Bob. This minion's going to attack Jerry. This minion's going to attack Senda. Mm -hmm. This minion's going to attack Bob. Like and on and on and on, right? Like um, you could do that. You just, you know, it's going to take a while. Mm -hmm. But uh, by doing, by reducing it down, it speeds up combat much, much faster. 
Yeah. The GM just takes that mob and breaks it up into a number of groups. Like, well, there's three of you in this scene. I got 10 minions. I'm going to do a uh, group of three, group of three, group of four. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to attack. This also allows the minions to be a threat to the characters. Yeah. Like a single minion, um, you know, might not pose a threat like to a character, right? Like you just, you know, there's nothing they could do to hurt this character based on their armor or something. But if the minion rules scale up, 30 of those minions might actually be a real threat to a single character. That can be uh, quite the sight to come around a corner and see 30 minions all coming at you. <clears throat> all right. So now that we know what makes up a minion, why do we even have them in our games, Phil? Yeah. What do, what do they do? Like, why, why have them if they're so weak? Why have them, you know, look, there's a number of reasons, right? We're going to do this in the pandas way. We're going to do it as a GM from the GM side and as a player. So starting with the GM minions are an obstacle that characters have to overcome to get to the boss. And I mean this in a few ways, right? So in the most literal sense in combat, minions are often frontline combatants, right? They're the ones the heroes have to plow through in order to get a shot at the boss, right? Like think of the opening of Avengers two, right? Like just, just plowing through minions. Uh, minions are also an extension of the boss's power, and thus they're going to be located in places. Oh, I'm sorry, Jerry, I'm taking this from you. I'll just take Thank it you. and then you can take the examples. Right. Um, okay. Minions are also an extension of the boss's power, and thus they're located in places where work is being done for the boss without the boss having to be involved. So, for example, in a game where the boss is a drug kingpin, the minions are going to be the street dealers, the drug runners, people with the drugs, some of the lower level bodyguards, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the heroes as they were approximately the boss, are going to have to deal with some of these minions in various ways. Yeah, exactly, right? So um, minions also allow the GM to have a single powerful boss, uh, but still make combat challenging, right? Because if they, especially if you've got gang and mob rules for minions, then um, you can quick group them up into, um, you know, into an encounter that's actually pretty formidable. Because otherwise, if you have like one uh, boss and like five characters bust in the room. I mean, we all know how this goes in a matter of, you know, in a game, in a game with, um, in a game with, uh, in a game that possesses, uh, att- combat by attrition, yep. five to one is not going to take long for the players to grind that boss down. Yep. Yep. Um, so by having all those minions and like, you know, throwing them into groups and mobs, or even if just single, like the players just have to like, you know, wade their way through 20 or 30 minions, mm-hmm. um, you're giving the big boss a chance. And that becomes much more fun. So, the other thing is going to be that minions are going to be expendable. Um, this allows the boss to do things without putting themselves at risk. They can harass the players, they can show up, they can chase the characters around town, they can sneak into their house, they can even get captured and interrogated. And it still means the boss hasn't put themselves at risk. Exactly. Um, look, let's be honest. Um, minions make characters look and feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, minion encounters are fun. Um, yeah. and players love mowing down minions in combat. Like I've never seen a player be disappointed about running through a whole group of minions in a combat. Yeah. Now, excuse me, the minions also allow the boss to have a wide range of influence. This allows the boss to affect many things, but still be a single entity. <laughs> they can be several places at once because their minions are carrying out their, their will. And it doesn't have to be a drug king pen. It can be something as simple as, a dragon who has a bunch of kobolds who are out stealing from the public and you know, making life difficult for the heroes long before they get there. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, we and we've talked about in, in past episodes when we talked about different types of opposition, uh, the puppet master and the hive mind um, usually are composed of minions. Right. So that's again, we've talked about different ways to kind of express how um, minions could be deployed by those uh, forms of opposition. Um, all right. So from the player side, um, minions do some similar things. But probably the most important thing that minions do for players is they provide access to skills that the players lack. Like typically when you are a player, you hire a minion, a independent contractor, um, because of their skill set. Right. So like maybe you need a scribe um, because no one has access to that skill or no one wanted to take it. Um, so you still need it for the game, but nobody wants it. So you're just like, you know what? For a few gold pieces, we'll just get a scribe, take them with us. Um, They can also be additional combatants depending on the type of minion or follower. Like this is pretty common with followers. Like followers are part of the cause, right? So like fighting bad guys and things like that, that's kind of like where um, followers shine. You might, have a similar experience with your higher, you know, your higher persons, but they're there for the money. And if, you know, if they're just like, if if they're just watching their coworkers getting walked into a meat grinder, like they may not be as down for the, the money. Um, Right. And that's the difference. When we talk about the definition of, of, um, of hireling and follower, right. A follower is there for the cause. So, if you know if it's tough if the number if the odds look bad or whatever the followers like there because they believe in it the hirelings there because you put coin in their pocket yep. and maybe you need to put m- more coin in or you have not put enough yeah <coughs> when i did the uh the very first game that i that i worked on uh with a black book the whole point of the adventure was as you're going around rescuing the people in the castles that they were adding uh additional skills and such to your the group and the better you rolled and the better you treated them the more they would be able to do for you um if you treat them like crap they weren't going to help you and that's you have to continue to remember that uh they may or may not be expendable depending on your character types yep oh yeah no i mean i think that's I, first of all i think that's an awesome um idea for a uh awesome idea for a game and i can also remember being um rotten fifth graders and hire <laughs> hiring townspeople as trap finders <laughs> like the uh, kinds of things that fifth graders um yeah are want to do um no no it's safe go down that hallway junk oh not safe <clears throat> get another town person you yeah. just hire drawers for that right <laughs> oh so. you guys all right so now that we know what minions can do what advice can we give gms for getting the most out of them jerry all right so for gms first thing we'll say is that if you're going to have minions, you want to track their usage for them. Uh, we're going to talk about these, as always, in no particular order. And, of course, it's an incomplete list. But here are some of our best advice for getting the most out of your minions. Yeah, uh, first one, minions are for more than just combat, right? Minions, like we said, gives the boss a long reach. Um, for minor things, send the minions to go do the work. Um, when you have more important things, use more significant NPCs. But really, if we're talking about a big boss, uh, you have a few tiers of people. Mm-hmm. So for more important things, you send some minions with a lieutenant. I mean, that's where chain of command comes in, too. 
your big boss is going to be like, hey, lieutenant, go take care of this thing. Lieutenant's going to turn around and go, hey, minions, go take care of this thing. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And sometimes it's fun to just let the players mow down a bunch of minions. That's uh-huh. what they're there for. Uh, similar to Sword of Outmasters Rogue Phase, a minion battle shows all the cool things about the characters. Um, think about the opening to Avengers 2, the battle in Sokovia, where they start off by attacking the Hydra base. You see the Avengers do their thing. Um, something that we've seen in a lot of uh, games about five to ten years ago was that minions always seemed to level up with the players to the point where they never got to be really cool. You know, it was nice to be a 12th level fighter, but if everything you fight is a 12th level fighter, it's no fun. Once in a while, you have to have that adventure where the town's under attack by, you know, a bunch of bandits, and all the bandits are second level and think they're attacking the town, and instead they're coming up against the Magnificent Seven. You know, that becomes a fun fight for the players again. Once yeah. in a while, let them just show their mastery of their abilities. So, yep. uh, next one. If your uh, game has mob slash gang rules, use them to simplify combats involving lots yeah. of minions. Right. So if you're going to, you know, if you're running a combat with 10, 20 or more minions, um, it, it would be positively brutal um, to, to run and do everybody's turn resolution. In fact, you, you, you actually almost can't because what happens if you're playing tactically is only so many characters, uh, eight, can get around a particular character and everybody else is back. And then, like, unless you're getting super fancy with reach weapons and nonsense like that, like, there's a limit to how many people can, can, can attack individually. But if you chunk them up into mobs and you have the mob attack, uh, one, it's going to simplify how many, um, how many uh, interactions you have to do, how many turns you have to resolve. Um, and two, they're often a bit tougher. Keep the you know it'll make the it'll make the players bite their nails a bit more. Yeah, and same note: group your minions based on the type of position you want them to be foreseen. If you want a tougher opponent, make them larger or fewer than the mob size. If you want easier opponents, then make smaller mobs or make more mobs. So you can just kind of chop through them as they go. Yeah. Uh, next tip: um, your boss should always have a few minions around for shielding. Um, minions are effective meat shields for your boss, right? Um, since most games do not have um, splash damage or trample, if we're using the magic the mm-hmm. magic gathering term, um, a meat shield can take a full blast from a uh, from a play, from a uh, PC and protect the minion for a turn. For games like Savage Worlds, I never put the big boss around um, by themselves. I always sprinkle in a few minions around them, at least as a halo of minions to prevent that like one long shot where the player's like, I'm going to shoot the, uh, I'm going to shoot the big boss from here. And then like, you know, winds up exploding six dice and, you know, ending the game in one turn kind of thing. So where possible, keep your minions out to keep your boss shielded, especially in the early phases of combat. Right. Um, and then consider how your minions are going to act for the boss and make them accordingly. Not all minions are going to want to die for the boss. Some of them, it's just a job. If you remember the scene from Iron Man 3, where he, his armor comes one piece at a time and he's chained to the bed, and he slowly beats up, beats up most of the guys, and he pulls out his glove at the last guy, and the last guy puts his gun down and says, you know what? These people are weird. I just work here. They're so yep. weird, I'm leaving. And he lets them go. Because sometimes they're just going to leave. Uh, minions are paid assets. They break and run. Uh, however, devout followers of a boss, cult members, um, people who are in love with the boss, and so on, they may stay around and fight to the bitter, bitter end. So give that some thought. You might have minion groups that some work one way, some work another. 
and that can help to delineate what they are and how they work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, consider if your minions have a general look or not, right? Some minions are just hired muscle, right? They don't, they don't look like anything, right? They're just, you know, a bunch of tough people in street clothes or whatever. Um, like a group of drug runners, like in a cartel game, like they're probably not going to have a uniform because they don't want to get picked out as being part of a group. But, you know, the members of the world revolutionary army of I Thor five, like they're probably going to have a uniform or at least some markings to, you know, to indicate who they are. Uh, And not all markings uh, need to be a uniform, right? It could be a tattoo. Um, Think of like, um, you know, and if you want to get like really covert, think of like black Panther, right? The Wakandan Mm -hmm. tattoo on the inside of the, on the inside of the tongue or I'm sorry, inside of the lip. Like that's super cool. Like that's one where even if you don't have a shirt on or whatever, you're not giving up your, um, you're not indicating where you're like who you're aligned with. Yeah. Um, uniforms do a few things though. Um, uniforms and markings do a few things, right? And this is why that, why it's important to give this some consideration. First of all, they show allegiance to a cause, right? So if you're wearing, you know, if you're wearing the world revolutionary army uniform, we kind of know a little bit about who this, who this, um, this minor character, this secondary character is. Um, it also shows a sign of greater organization. When you encounter, so if you encounter a couple street thug, if you encounter a couple street thug minions and they're just dressed in like regular street clothes and you, you know, you run, you know, you run through them, you don't really know how many more there are, right? Like you just fought some street thugs. But if you like fight some people in uniforms, there's a pretty good, there's a pretty good logical leap that if a group has uniforms, there's probably a good number of them. Um, and that's just like a little logical leap that people make, right? You could totally subvert that as well, right? So you could totally give uniforms to like this really small group, yeah, uh, of, right? Like, and just have fun with that. But in general, if a group of minions have a, a set uniform, they're probably part of something bigger. Um, and then the other thing it does is like it helps you identify friend from foe, right? It helps them identify friend from foe. Uh, but also later for the PCs, like it's helpful for them. Like, oh, we've seen this marking before. We know who you serve. Yeah. Yep. That whole bit reminds me of one of one or more, because I'm pretty sure it was more than one. Uh, one or more of the the Batman '66 villains, where they would have henchmen with like the same clothes on, and like some of them actually had henchmen written on. Yeah. Like, yes. Super campy, but it's like I'm a henchman, you know. <laughs> Yep. Uh, you know, part of me now wants like a like a Batman 66 henchman shirt in the same way that I want a John Belushi college sweatshirt. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, that that was that was a common thing, especially with uh, I think it was the Penguin that did that a lot. Yeah. I think all of them did it eventually. So and- I think running a not necessarily Batman, but I think running a totally campy um game in that kind of genre could be a really fun one-off kind of thing just like that kind of ridiculous nonsense oh my god i just had to do a quick google search the um the riddler i think no penguin penguin had guys that had goon written on their shirt he had guys that had henchmen written on their shirt well it's important to differentiate like the different skill sets Uh right right. like yeah. Wait, I need somebody to beat somebody up. Um, a goon, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Don't send a henchman for don't send a henchman for a goon's job. Yes. Right. All right. Exactly it. <laughs> it's great. So and a minion encounter is also a great way to interest the boss to a story. I have the heroes come upon the minions and easily overtake them is a great launch for a new story. But when you see that they have uniforms or tattoos, you begin to realize that there's some sort of organization. And if it isn't obvious that they've taken out the, the main the main villain, now you've got some hints that something more sinister is coming. And that becomes much more dangerous. Yeah, it's a great opening, right? Like, you, yep. you know, a couple like somebody's breaking into a you know, warehouse or something. You, you know, finish them off and they all have the same tattoo. And you're like, anybody know what this is? No, but they all have the same tattoo. So that's worrying. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. All right, cool. So since minions are not just for GMs, what advice do we have for the players, Phil? Minions. They're not just for dinner. No. Um <laughs> Yeah, when it comes to players um, having minions, right, there's some ways to get, like, here's, we got some tips for how to get the most out of them. Um, starting with the, this one here, use minions for skills that you're missing in your group, right, that should be obvious, that no one wants or has access to, right? If you're playing a game and nobody wants to be the healer, just go hire one. Yep. Solves exactly. your problem. Yep. Give them a cut of the treasure, and you got a healer, that, and nobody has to worry about it. Yep. Now, number two, decide if you want support minions uh, and or frontline minions. Your support minions are the ones you keep back at camp or at the base. Uh, they're going to form the support staff that help you when you're not in direct danger. Uh, these are your scribe, your scholars, your surgeons, and mechanics. These are all your support. You try to keep them out of harm's way, but handle the downtime activities. Uh, these are the kind of minions I love. Um, but the my aforementioned thing, one of the things we had was one of the uh, minions that they could pick up was a gnome who was basically the quartermaster. And if you were nice to him and gave him time with stuff, um, you could often find things quicker. You've got an automatic quick draw once per game because he always made sure to <laughs> fit you properly and make sure everything was snug and you could pull that out later on. Simple bonuses that people could look at getting. And this is something that really happens. There are people in, uh, I've got a, a, a cousin-in-law who does this for the military. And one of the things he does is before pilots fly out, he goes up and inspects their entire gear kit. And goes through it and make sure that everything is exactly where it's supposed to be and easily in reach. And if they don't have everything where it is, they don't fly that day. Um, but his job is to make sure everything is quickly available for them. And I thought that was kind of a neat thing that, I mean, that's, that's, that's this guy's only job. And, mm-hmm. and I thought there'd be a neat fantasy trope would be, what if you had a minion whose job it was to cook and clean, but also maintain all your gear for you, sharpen your swords and all that kind of fun stuff and give so, a little mechanical effect, which is nice. So I'll tell you that if I was doing that in fate, what I would do with the minion rules for my theoretical fate fantasy game that mm-hmm. I'm just making up in my head right now. Um, what I would wind up doing is that those hirelings yeah. would basically be a, um, they would be an aspect with one invoke on it per day that the party could access because sure. like, you know, the quartermaster like checks everybody's gear and you've got, you know, some aspect that's like, um, uh, all my gear is like all my gears on tight, right? Yep. With one invoke on it. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, somebody slips off a cliff and you grab them, like, you know, you grab them by the armor and you're like, oh, I need like two, you know, I need, I'm going to take that invoke and good thing your armor was on nice and tight. Like, yep. And, yep. exactly. Like, it'd be totally fun to just have a, like a collection of the, like those aspects from like the, you know, from your support yep. staff. And then you can I, even I, level I, them up and they can be a bucket of quartermaster. Oh, how long have you been sitting? You were sitting on that for a while, weren't you? 
feel like you sat on that one for a little while. That that may actually be how my, uh, my character, the Dresden Files, is the head of a coven. Or he actually, yeah, the coven, kind of how the coven rules work for Dresden Files is that you have an invoking with the number of your coven members. To use. <laughs> so that works cool. Uh, which of course is why Fate is a better game than the Passage Trip, which is what I was writing earlier. At least better adapted for this. Better adapted I, for this. I don't right. remember because it's been years ago, but we did um, when we did um, Part Time Gods of Fate. Uh, we had rules for worshippers. Yep. And, and the worshippers did stuff for you. Like the reason oh, you yeah. had them was the reason you had them was because they actually could could help you with stuff. Yeah. Mechanically. Cool. Yeah. Um. Oh, right. Frontline minions. Um. So frontline minions are the ones that you take into the field and get caught in encounters with you, right? Um, these minions wind up providing skills and abilities, but they're in the direct line of danger. Um, they can get caught in a fireball blast. They can get trampled, you know, by a creature or something like that. In most cases, you do not need to take your scribe with you. Um, you can leave them back at camp, but you might have a combat medic. Um you know, a cleric that's going to run out and in the middle of combat, throw some healing on people or, you know, bring somebody back from the dead. If they fail, they make a death, save, fail a death, save, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, the thing about frontline minions and the reason why you kind of want to make sure, you know, like what you're doing with your minions is that um, they're potential targets. Right. So um, outfit them properly, figure out how to protect yep. them. Um, you know, it, it's going to be hard to uh, it's going to be hard to hire. Uh, another combat medic if you've like gotten three combat medics killed in your last like yeah. in your last dungeon crawl at that point you start nicknaming your combat me combat medic kenny yeah or new guy we're not gonna we're, we're not learning your name yeah. we're not learning your name until the next dungeon <laughs> like you gotta survive at least one encounter before we freaking give you we a learn your name <laughs> Well, why, why didn't remember what I said? Why didn't we name the horse? Well, don't name anything you might have to eat later. So, well, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, take the next one, Jer. <laughs> right. Uh, if you can, I'm fine if your minions can advance. And if so, work to advance them. If the game has rules for advancing minions, take advantage of them. Um, this could be anything from adding more invokes to it, to giving them some actual skills, to making them actual minor NPCs. But if your game does have rules for this, ask your GM if you can house rule one. Um, Perhaps they're going to advance as your character advances, but at a lesser rate. This was uh, one of the problems they had with some of the D20 systems where, for example, a druid could get um, a certain number of uh, hit dice worth of creatures every level, but they were all going to be level one hit dice creatures. By the time you're eighth level, it doesn't matter if you've got 24 one hit dice creatures, they're all going to die in the first combat encounter. Yeah. So make, yeah. Sure, you have to make sure that your creature can advance with you as you go. Um, and over time, you're going to want your minions to progress and get better at what they're doing, or be better at surviving combat, or better at protecting you. Buck and a quartermaster. Buck and a quartermaster. Uh, yep. I don't know, Bob, if you remember we had... Oh, you know what? I'll talk about it at the break. Remind me about the right. caddy story. The caddy. Um, next thing is, you can use minions as guest characters, right? You have somebody stopping in for an evening, like popping by, and you have a frontline uh, minion, right? Cool. Like, you can give them to that player, like, hey, you know, we're already in the middle of a crawl or something, but, you know, you could play our healer for tonight mm -hmm. um, and just let, you know, let them jump in. Um, you know, you might want to bump up their stats or something so that, you know, they're not completely pitiful, but give them something to do. Let them, you know, throw some spotlight on them, that kind of thing. But it's a great way to just kind of pull somebody in 
Um, if they're just, you know, if they're literally like, you know, and I've had this before, right? I've had friends pop into town mm-hmm. and it's game night and they're like, oh, you know, can I, can I get in on a game? And you're like, mm, or like in the middle of something. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can like, you can, you can be the driver tonight and I'm going to just, you know, make some, I'll give you some stats and I'm going to make some cool shit for the driver to do tonight. Cool. Like, yeah, come on over. You can be our exactly. fine pony, Bill. <laughs> pony boy. What? No pony. No, never mind. Go Jerry. Go. Depends on the game you're playing. Um, <laughs> Yes, and, it and, does. Yeah. Now, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna jump onto that same thing before we go into my topic, which is you can also use them in situations where one player is doing something and the minions are around. You let the other players jump into a scene that they're not in. So, just like in, in the ways we do with other NPCs, if you've got a scene where Bob's fighter is out negotiating in town and he's got the scribe with him, and this is gonna be you know a ten minute scene, well then, Senda can jump in as the scribe and play the scribe along the way, and you know add stuff, ask questions, interact with Bob, and so on. Um, it's another character that the players can can interact with and play with, and it allows characters to be more uh, the players to be more active in scenes that their characters aren't always in. And I always like that as a as a situation. So even if it's just as a as a mouthpiece. So but on top of that, over time, you can eventually promote these minions to PCs. If the game goes on long enough, you can tire some of the main PCs and make your minions into these characters. Uh, this can be a neat way to make a generational game because it shows the progress from a minion to a character. And it's also a good way to cover for a death of the party. Um, you know, uh, all of a sudden, you know, Bob dies. Well, Bob comes back, but we don't have time to stick somebody in, so he gets to play Bill the Pony. Bob's so, character Bob. dies. Thank you very much. <laughs> if I die in the middle of a game, I'm pretty sure you're not replacing me with a, with a, with a, with a minion with character. A, with, with a pony? <laughs> You're all going to be broken up in tears. Well, when the game is over, anyway. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, oh, anyway, Bill. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm just going to insert one extra one because um, I just thought of it. Um, you know, as a one-off, um, if you have a bunch of um, if you have a bunch of minions that the PCs have, uh, you can have a lower decks episode. Mm-hmm. Like you can totally just do yeah. an adventure with your minions. Yep. And just have like a complete diversion. Like, you know, hey, the heroes are off like in the dungeon or whatever, and this crazy shit happens at camp. We're gonna Wacky play shit, it out tonight. And it's gonna be the quartermaster and the scribe and Bill the pony. And literally, there's not even a pony, it's just Bill like like with two coconuts and yeah. Um plum, 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 plum. Right. Anyway, um, so you could totally do a lower decks. Uh, You could totally do a lower decks episode. It could be totally fun as a one shot. Um, Or, you know, I mean, another fun way to do that is um, you are all minions of like the, you know, supervillain and, you know, you raid the you raid his vault of supervillain stuff to go out and, you know, raise some hell, whatever. All right. Um, My other piece of advice, give your minions some details. since you're on the player side of this, you're probably not going to have a ton of minions. So where we talked about before, like you generally don't give minions too much narrative, like narrative detail because you're only going to have a couple of them. And each player may only have like one or two hirelings anyway, you know, beef it up a little, give them some names, give them an appearance, give them a personality. Um, you know, if, um, it works best, you know, again, when you have a few of them, if you have like, you know, 50 followers or something like you're not going to name all those. Yeah. Um, but, but if you have like, you know, a scribe and, you know, build the pony or whatever, um, like you can give them some detail, um, cause it'll also create emotional investment, right? Cause if we name, you know, if we name in, we give them a personality and especially if like, you know, they wind up having a good scene, like, you know, your 
um, curmudgeonly. Um, I'm just picturing the scene from um, Waiting and uh, uh, Chi McBride is just, you know, kind of like the seasoned dispensing wisdom from the kitchen. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, you're, you know, you're, you know, your camp cook is like, you know, suddenly giving you like some seriously profound advice for your character. Um, You know, that kind of thing. Like that can be like, like that can just breathe like a complete, like instead of just being like, oh yeah, I got a scribe. Like having like, you know, having a little detail to it could add a lot to the in-between parts of your game. Yeah, the the minions of the evil monarch in uh, in the Venture Brothers—they're all numbered like twenty-three and fifty-one and thirty-two. But you mm-hmm. don't want to just do that with your PC minions. The 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 those people—you no. can spend a little extra on them. And uh, you know, Kenny the combat medic is 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 much cooler for that scenario. Kenny the combat medic who has like some serious PTSD from being in the dungeons, yeah. right? Like he's just like completely wigged out. Like, I did not sign up for this. Yeah. Like, but also, this is the most money I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. As, as Bob will tell you for a band of Blades Adventure, though, that um, Jerry will name all 50 henchmen and give them all personalities oh, yeah. during, during any downtime at all. Oh, um, I, I remember from the Sprawl as well, right? Yeah. Like, oh, Jerry, the, Jerry's the, whole crew had names. The Sprawl was nothing. In, in, in Band of Blades, we have six five-man teams plus our supports crew plus our spies, yep. plus the command structure. And every time we, we need them, we, we've got names for them and personalities and, yep. and a little minor description. That I, I loved that. That's something that's part of the metagaming part of gaming that I enjoy doing. Yeah. And so if you, if you give me 50 henchmen as part of our player group, they will all have names by the end of the second or third week and little, and little quirks and personality types. And, and oftentimes we'll hand them off to other players yeah. to, to cope with ideas for go ahead and that's that's the thing is if you if you spend just a tiny bit of time like we're going to give this 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 person a name give them like Mm -hmm. a personality quirk a little something to to work with then when you have a scene where you're like someone else in the party isn't their character's not present and they want to jump in and they want to play one of these minions then you've given them some 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 meat to chew on rather than just this blank slate with like, Oh, okay. What should I do with this? Like in on the fly, do I have to come up? No, they've got something to, 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 to jump in with right out of the gate to give them something to work with when they start trying to portray yeah. this character. Yeah. This is, this is Ted, the spy. He's a little shorter than normal and he has a secret lover that he doesn't talk about much, but hints at go for it. You know, there you go. <laughs> That's all you need. You're and speaking of which, Yep. Jerry. Go ahead. All right. So and this is why I've brought this up several times. Let the other people at the play table play the minions. If your group's in an acting, you can have different people at the table voice your minions. You can make this a bit more complicated. You have to be careful because this can slow down progress as the players get into uh, acting with all these characters. But it can be a lot of fun. If this is what your group is enjoying doing, great. Let them do that. Uh, as a GM, take some notes. As a player, get into it and have a good time. Um uh, and a side note, this is also a good time for GMs to uh, make some notes about that side plot the characters suddenly uncover that you weren't prepared for. Let them go go a little bit goofy with their characters while you do it. Um, but this will make the characters, the minions, more interested in the group as a whole. It often makes them much less expendable um, to make them possible romantic interests. Uh, I often find it amusing when I see players that hoard their resources constantly. Like, you know, oh no, I have to save this this killing potion in case I need it. And I, have to be careful with this magic item. And all of a sudden, Bill the Pony gets injured 
and the players blow all of their resources to try to save build a pony uh, resources <clears throat> they wouldn't even spend on each other at times um, to yeah. do this. And that becomes a lot of fun. And um, you could have whole... Uh, I've, I've actually run games where the players decided that this week we just want to play all the minions this week. We want to have an adventure about the minions while something else is going on. That's your lower tech episode. Yep. And go for it. You know, let them do that. They become more interesting to everybody. So that's what I, and that's, I love that part of it as a playwright, as a GM. So. All right. That's our look at minions um, and some advice for getting the most out of them at your table from both the GM and the player side. We're going to take a break. I've already seen some good comments and questions in the chat room. Uh, so we're going to address those. But first, Bob, tell us about another show on the Mistractor Mark Network. Yeah, so there's this uh, fine show called Bonus Experience in which Ray and Monica will give you all kinds of fun gameplay and design stuff through the lens of diversity while also sharing some of the dumbest humor that gaming has to offer. Um, it's a hoot, and it's fun, and and it's good. Check it out. There you go. All right. A ringing endorsement. It ringing is good, fun. Yes, it's it is good and fun. Yeah, so um, uh, our friend the Weirgator asked a fine question. Yeah. How do you manage which level of minion knows how much and how long they'll hold out on giving that information up? Yeah, so I mean, for, I mean, some of this has to go with understanding your bad guy, mm-hmm. right? So um, if your bad guy is super paranoid, your minions aren't really going to know very much. If your bad guy is like some raging egomaniac, they probably know a decent amount because, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you wind up having the company wide meeting and like the big boss is like, behold, our plan for conquering Central City. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. I know, like, as he's walking around showing the PowerPoint slides and stuff like that, yeah. uh, I mean, you might know. And then whether they're going to give it up or not. Right. There's a couple factors to this. Uh, we talked about the difference between hirelings and followers, mm-hmm. right? Hirelings are probably going to have a reasonable limit, right? Like it's a job. I like my job a lot, but if you put a gun to my head, I'll tell you every plan my boss has. Yep. <laughs> right. Like, like I just, you know, like, uh, yep. Well, let me tell you some stuff like whatever followers are going to hold out more. <clears throat> Everybody, look, unless you're zealots, everybody breaks, right? Your zealots are probably going to die um, before they give up anything. If if you're wondering, like, minions have low stats. If you put a bit of a squeeze on them, you can at least make a roll to see if they're going to hold out. And, you know, like, it's not going to be a high bonus. So maybe, you know, it won't take too much work to get something useful um, out of them, you know. Uh, one, because I mean, I'm not a person who does um, interrogation slash torture in any detail, right? So yeah. like, I default to just pushing that into a die roll and just dealing with the outcomes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, it, I think it's going to have a lot to do with understanding mm-hmm. uh, what kind of minion it is yep. and understanding a lot about the boss. Yeah. Jer, what do you got on that? Um, that's pretty much it. I, I kind of go the same way. I think that... Um, this is a good time to use that to give the players the information that they need. Um, yeah. Just be prepared for it first, that so you know going into it um, what the players are going to get. Um, it's, I, I look at minions the same way I look at equipment. Uh, the old adage, never give your NPCs equipment that you don't want the players to get their hands on. 
and never give the minions information if you don't want the players to eventually know. Because they'll find it out. And yeah. if they do well enough, give it to them. You know, the boss can always change their plans or do something different or have things that, you know, you know, we know the mayor is the bad guy, but we don't have proof that it's this guy's word. Yep. He's not gonna yeah. say anything, he's not gonna say anything in front of cameras. So we know we now know the mayor's not to be trusted, but what do we do next? That yeah. sort of thing. And, and you know, the other thing you can do is if you do want to give them the information, um, you can now put a like you can now put a timer on it because it's like you, like this minion coughed up some information. But if this guy doesn't show up to work in the morning, like everybody's going to get wigged out. Yep. Like you know, this guy can't not show up at you know at the office at the warehouse or whatever because like everybody you know at the warehouse is on the take, and if he doesn't show up, everybody's going to get suspicious and come looking for him. Yep. Um, so now the players get that piece of information, but they get it at a cost, which is you don't get all the time in the world to plan what you're going to do with that information. You now created a very small window, yep. which and is then, great because then players will rush through it. Oh, yeah. And then from a completely <laughs> like, different angle, if you're if the minion you're dealing with is like super, super short, yellow and is wearing goggles, um, yes. they may spill their guts and say everything. But you ain't going to understand a word of it. You're going to want comprehend languages. For yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, um, the thing is with minions and I do this, like I do this a lot. Um, I do this a lot when I play is that um, I, I will give thought, like as I'm playing out combats, like there are times where like monsters or minions are like, oh, screw this. We're out of here. Yeah. Like, yes, the boss told you to hold this like passageway, you know, with dear life. But at some point it's like, look, these players are mowing through us. Like we got to fall back. We got to retreat. We're going to break ranks, whatever. Um, yeah, I, I would say, you know what? On one hand, play them intelligently. And on the other hand, play them dramatically, right? So um, if it's way too early, like the players, you know, grab a um, street thug off the street and like put the screws to him, like tell us what the boss is doing. Like that's too easy, right? That just shortcuts all the work that the players are going to do. That guy doesn't know anything. But if you're like, if you are on approach for the big finale Mm -hmm. and they snatch up a minion to squeeze for some information, yeah, give them something good. Yeah. Give them something good because that's where they're heading anyway. Yeah. Give them something for that. Yep. But also don't be afraid to put like the clock, the timer or something like, well, this, you know, this is true for my shift, but it'll change like in two hours. You can always, you can always put a wrinkle in whatever a minion knows. Cool, cool. What and, else do we have going on in there? Uh, uh, Bob, you, you want to read? You want to read Genesis of Legends? A uh, little comment about what happens if Bob dies at the table. Oh, geez, yeah. Uh, uh, hey, uh, pizza guy, uh, could you join our podcast? Our third host just died, and we need a stand-in. Thanks for the thanks for the love. <laughs> That's not fair. We don't even have a pizza guy. I know. <laughs> For a while, for a while, we had a favorite waitress at uh, um, at Mandarin Garden. She could have she could have joined the podcast. Sure, um, especially if she brought egg rolls. Those yeah. egg oh my rolls. god, oh, I'm, I'm so not, sad that place is I gone. Miss those egg rolls. Yeah. To me, that's probably my like. To me, that's probably the thing that hit me the hardest during COVID was Mandarin Garden went away. Yeah. I say that somewhat hyperbolically, but also those egg rolls. Mm-hmm. They were so good. I've never been excited for egg rolls before. Um, any other questions in there? Um, we had a comment from, uh, lemming 127 
Uh, uniforms and tattoos can also indicate who you used to work for. Oh, yeah. We didn't even talk about like um, like we didn't even talk about the idea that like as a player background, you could have been the minion for a bad guy once before. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's like the turned. Right. There's a um, what is it? Uh, there's a um, once more uh, once into the into void, void has yeah. has that character type. The redeemed. The, yeah. The, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that like, like you could totally like be, yep. um, you know, having been a minion before, but now you're, you know, on the other side, Finn. Mm-hmm. Yep. With Star Wars. Yep. FN2187. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, is also a yes. minion who turned. Exactly. So, cool. Yeah. Those are good. Those are good. Anything else we got in there? Uh, oh, no, I think we're good. I was going to hang on. I was going to tell, mean- um, I thought I had something I oh, was going to yeah, mention. Oh, yeah, 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 the, the, the story about the, um, um, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> I'm, I'm helping. Um, right? The, uh, I'm, I have, wow, you're breaking up like sure. tremendously there, Phil. Yeah. Yeah. That was weird. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to remember for the next break. I'm, I'm terrible. All right. Never mind. Maybe we'll get it. Yeah. Maybe we'll get it at the end of the segment. Yep. All right, so let's roll back into our discussion of minions with our three roundtable questions, starting with this one. Question number one. Uh, name one of your favorite times as a GM using minions in a scene or a game. For me, uh was a Savage World or Savage Eberron game from uh, uh, actually the early days of COVID. Um, the party had spent time allying, allying with a local Hobgoblin tribe that they met. Instead of just uh, charging them and fighting them. They traded with them, they negotiated with them, they actually healed the leader and just spent a lot of time being the hobgoblins. Um, so later on, when they were in a situation where they either were going to have to do guerrilla tactics and pick out a bunch of bad guys one at a time or just get overrun, uh, they played a card that allowed them to summon minions. So I had the hobgoblins show up. Um, but because the players had taken time to develop the relationship with these one-off minions, it actually talked to me when playing the card about why the minions would show up. Um, I had them show up with a little better ability than normal. Um, and then the party went on to use them to build defenses and set up parts of the deserted town to help repel the overwhelming numbers of the MRL, Claw Soldiers, and the Undead. Um, so when we got to the point, I did just what Phil talked about earlier. I divided the minions up into little squads of, of two to four and treated each squad instead of as individual minions, but as basically those three who created the equivalent of a player character or a, or a wild card. So minions in Savage Worlds, where the players get to roll a stat plus an extra die, uh, normal NPCs just roll one die. As a group, they could roll one die plus the extra die. And it made the game go much faster, uh, but also let the players make decisions and roll the dice. And it ended up being something that allowed the players each make their own actions more epic, because they could have the minions hold off a couple of flunkies while they went toe-to-toe with one of the main NPCs. Um, they could drop dead deadfalls on them and such. And um, they even spent a few of their own actions saving the minions. There's a point where uh, Jen Monheim um, did this whole heroic rope swing while running across the side of a wall to jump down in and tackle a bunch of bad guys who were about to take out a bunch of minions kind of thing. And um, it just went really, really well. And we used a combination of letting the players control the minions using mob rules. And it turned what would have just been a long night of slogging combat as the players hacked their way through group after group of bad guys into kind of an epic, fun little little encounter um, and gave the players access to things they wouldn't have had. One of the melee characters ended up running 
a group of minions that were all shooters. And so got to try kind of play around with a character who was good at long range for a little while. So it was just a lot of fun. Um, it was kind of epic. Actually, if you follow me on Facebook, there's pictures of that adventure um, a year ago. But there was just a lot of fun. And I, I liked the way all the players jumped into it and kind of used the rules of the game and then some house rules and stuff to make it more fun. So that was my favorite recent minion adventure. Bill? Yeah, years and years ago, um, when I was running Iron Heroes, I, um, to make a long story short, there was this um, lost city named Ceridome that the players found, and uh, it was overrun with undead, uh, which was all leading up to this temple. Um, and I believe that ultimately Bob had to, um, this um, magical energy that Bob was carrying with him um, needed to be placed in the temple in order to um, yep. end the curse and all of that. But in order to get to the temple, I had a battle mat out and I put something like 40 skeletons on the battle mat and put the players on the opposite side of the, like put the temple on one side, the players on the other and like 40 skeletons in between. Um, And these are iron hero players. So, um, and they were like mid-level iron hero players. So they had like, um, like level, like, so again, because you didn't, a lot of people didn't play iron heroes, but they had like, cleave four and multi-shot and two weapon fighting and and uh they were just like one hit die skeletons and i was like okay roll for initiative and just we like they just plowed their way um into those skeletons um and it was a it was a fun encounter and it was it was tedious and long because there were no um mob rules for it or anything and so i just you know attacked 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 but they were reasonably high enough armor class that like most of those attacks did not hit yep. um and they and they just went a killing um and it was just fun to watch like the the battle mat was like full of tokens and they're just you know we're taking them off one at like oh that one's killed that one's killed um they were using like all their abilities like it was it was just fun right it was just like it was a, and it was cool cuz it just like that led up to like that was the fight to get into the temple and it looked like an action movie right yeah. like they rounded the corner like in the city and they're like all right we just got to get to the temple and then it's just like this sea of skeletons and they're like yep let's do this we cracked our knuckles and we waded in yeah now the sad was, part to that story is that after my character placed the seal down uh, and lifted the curse, the people that were dead came back. Yeah. And we didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah. So if we had known that, we would have tried not to kill those skeletons and, like, tried to just get through in some fashion. But we didn't know. (laughs) <laughs> that was gonna I can't happen. remember if everybody came back. I don't know if I ever clarified. I, I don't, I don't the know zombies, if it was or not. The zombies came back. Yeah. But I think like skeletons were like too far gone. Maybe. Maybe. I feel like I wanted to say that and whether I did or didn't yeah. might be a different question. <laughs> that was that was an epic an epic encounter though, just wading through sea of minions, just uh plus plus Iron Heroes is like so jacked up on martial combat that oh, like yeah. um like what cleave four was, if I remember, like, like cleave had multiple levels. So yeah. like if you cleaved once and you, you got to attack the opponent next to you, but if you killed that one, like you could cleave another time. Yeah. And, and like somebody went like chain. on like a, like, I think like a six, six straight cleave, like spree or something. Yep. 
in one turn. It was it was grand. Yeah. All right. Good time. Jer. All right. So as a player, you often use minions and sidekicks, etc. Uh, in your games. Yeah. Um, as a player, no. Like I, I, I don't, and I kind of wonder why I don't. Um, I probably should think about it more when I'm playing a game. Like if I could have minions or like a hireling or something. Um, I just I never think about it. Like I never think like oh we should just get a person to do that or or whatever. Um, so no, I I think I want to though. <laughs> Depending on what what I play next. Yeah. I definitely think I want to. Um, want to kind of make that investment in having like a little extra help. But, you know, my, my concern is always like, I don't want to get them killed or am I going to have enough money to pay for them? And I got to kind of just get over that. Yeah. Like, don't, don't think, don't, don't overthink it and just do it. Hmm. Yep. How about you, Jer? All right. Well, I love having minions and other characters to play off of whether they're familiars or, you know, un, uh, invisible servants. And I mean, um, any game I'm in, Bobados is from the Eberron game. Like I, I played a, a spellcaster who had um, uh, Aerial Servant. I named it. You know, um, that's the thing I'll do. In the sprawl, my fixer has a stable of minions who casts it at his backup. Um, most of the GMs we I have let the players take the role of minions, either our own or others. So um, we use this again as we go. Um, any option I have to get extra minions and such, I mean, I will forego buying that new magic sword. If I could spend that money to get another minion or a talking horse or a flying cat or you know somebody who who you know texts me in at night when I go to sleep, whatever, I'll I'll do that every time. You give me a chance to have minions, I will take them. Um, I don't know what that says about me, but I love having minions and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and treating them well. I don't treat my minions like yeah. like funky. I, I want my minions to survive. I will I will keep them back at the camp. Um, and and I like that for things when we do have because I mean, I've played in adventures where with some more punishing GMs who do the thing with you know well so who's going to watch the horses while you're in the dungeon ha 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 well fine I'm gonna I'm gonna hire like three handlers and two bodyguards and that's their job um, real quick in when we played BattleTech years and years ago instead of buying a, a mech upgrade I spent the money to hire a platoon of soldiers for an entire season so that whenever we had to get out of our mech we had bodyguards nice. Um, it just, I love doing that. And I've been doing it for 30 years now. So, Bob? Yeah, so I don't recall having done it in the past with other games, but we're essentially doing it in our Forbidden Lands game with all oh, the yeah. support personnel that we have at Weatherstone, our keep. Um, that, that's essentially what they are. They're all minions. Um, so we're definitely doing it right now, and, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean they're basically support. Um, they're basically support minions. They don't go on. They don't go out on um, frontline stuff with you. Right. They make sure that like your uh, stronghold is is kept, um, and is you know um, you know it's kept and no one's you know taking it over that kind of thing. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. It's and and it's kind of fun. We named all of them. Oh yeah. Like they, they all, all have names. names. They they're have on the kind sheet. Of personalities to a certain degree. They're not super yeah. fleshed out, but. Well, and it's fun because they came in a couple different ways. Some of them were NPCs from actual from the actual adventures yep. that you just like convert. Like Cordemore was like a survivor from one of the um, adventures that you, like the original adventure you went on to capture yep. Weatherstone. And then like Nin, like he was just an NPC I made up because you guys were um, camping in the shanty town yep. outside of uh, one of the other towns. Yep. And then you were the ones who were like, you know why don't you come back with us? We'll give you a job. 
Yeah, instead of sleeping in this tent outside the walls of the city where the Rust Brother is ruling with an iron fist, come up and hang out with us. We'll give you a job. You get a roof over your head. I particularly like the um, the orc and the human couple that run the um, they run the inn. Uh, they run the inn. You 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 wandered into an encounter where they were getting married in the woods. Yep. And after like a whole bunch of shit happened, you were like, you know, why don't you guys come up? Like, if you're looking to retire from adventuring why don't you just come up to our stronghold and like we could find you something to do. Mm-hmm. So now they, they're the proprietors of the inn that yep. the, the heroes built yep. and they're great. Like they all like, they, they just collected them from different places. Yep. And then I think the other thing that they did was there were a couple of times when they went looking for people. Yeah. So they went to like the nearby town, made some checks and like found a few people. And they, yep. that's how you found um, a girl in May. Yep. You're the, um, your handy person. Yep. Who keeps your say, uh, stronghold running? I think one of the earliest inspirations for minions was probably from I think it was Lost Towers of Soja Camp, which has a picture of a wizard uh, trying to fight a demon, and he's standing there casting a spell. And there's obviously some minions there. One's holding the book open for him. One's waving the a picture in the air. One's got yeah a caddy, and that's the that's the story we're going to tell the caddy yes. story. And one's holding, but I I, I like that idea that, that that a player might have these. Um, these, these flunkies that are going to be standing next to them that are just doing all the extra stuff that makes their job easier. So, uh, so yeah, before we go on to questions, tell the caddy story real quick, Phil. Yeah, it's funny because it's, it's actually a, um, it's kind of a meta story, but a while ago we had um, conceptualized a little comedy bit of um, a uh, role-playing caddy. Like, like you, caddy. the player, like have a caddy that like is like sitting with you at the table and you're like, I'm going to cast fireball and I'm going to put it and you like point to the table and you like, look at the caddy and the caddy's like, mm-mm, mm-mm. you like move your finger over and the caddy's like, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Here, I'm going to put the fireball here. <laughs> right. And then, you know, like, all right, look, I need a, I need a, uh, I need a 17 or higher, uh, you know, and you hold out your hand and they like, you know, go through the dice and put a, you know, put the, the, the D20 that tends to roll higher in your hand. We had like a whole skit about like these professional caddies. And then it was about them in a back room at Gen Con sitting around complaining about their players. That's what the. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Like, oh, you think you got it bad. My guy's got an 18th level wizard. That guy doesn't know how any of the spells work. Right. Like, yeah, there there was a a comic strip in the old uh, Buffalo Adventure Games and Hobbies newsletter that somebody did every month. And one of them was the adventures of the caddy who carried around all the extra swords for all the players that kept picking up stuff and wouldn't throw anything away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. That, that, that's, there's a good thing for that. Yep. Um, all right. Next question question three. So what is your favorite game system for handling minions? Uh, for me, it's going to be the Genesis Fantasy Flight Star Wars. Um, minions are a simple mob with simple bonuses and die increases. And the players attack them as a mob. Um, and as you whittle away at them, the the die, the die increases go down. So it makes it really easy to have a battle between a bunch of rebels and some stormtroopers, or to suddenly have a gang of of um, swoop white mercenaries show up and not overwhelm the players, um, but still makes the minions dangerous. Um, it makes more minions dangerous. A group of two minions is less dangerous than a group of four minions, just as Phil said earlier. Large, you know, larger mobs. Um, it's a simple rule system. It sounds like they borrowed a lot of the ideas from fate. Um, and it's a system that I've actually used for other 
I've, I've adapted to other game systems when I want to have a group of minions that can be dangerous but not duplicating the party or making a challenge is just to group them up. Um, you know, if you're going to do, even in games like D20, Savage World, um, Barbarians Lemuria, just using the mob rules makes it much easier. So, Phil? Uh, yeah, Fate's my choice. Um, I really like Fate. Like, you know, a typical minion might be like a one stress box, maybe a plus one. Uh, and maybe they have an, you know, like maybe they have a simple aspect or something. Um, when you group them up, uh, you just raise up their bonuses and you just add stress boxes, right? Um, and it's just, you know, taking advantage of that fate fractal thing where um, I can just, you know, I can add more stress. I could add consequences if the mob was large enough or I could just give them a whole mess of stress boxes. Um, depends. And then, yeah, I can just scale up, you know, their attack goes from like a plus one their attack now goes up to, you know, like a plus three, plus four, if they're a large enough mob. I like that. Um, it's super easy. Um, and big, and if big enough mob, or if it's a specialty mob, like, you know, maybe they're um, a particular uh, faction of the, you know, the world revolutionaries or something. So I could slap an extra, um, I could slap an extra aspect on them. Like, you know, they're, they're particular, like, you know, death from above that kind of thing. So, yeah, fate. I mean, fate just makes fate makes that um, like really cool, really simple. It's a very uh, it's very fluid. Right. About how like how you want to set up your oppositions for conflicts. Cool. How about you, Bob? Yeah. So I I don't honestly remember all of the rules that they had, but the fourth edition D&D rules had uh, a set of minion rules and I ran it for a year and I had a lot of fun with it. It was good for the system. And it was good for the group that that I was playing with, um, so I really enjoyed getting to implement those. Again, it, it did all the things like you know here, here's a, a horde of of creatures in this room. Like oh god, what are we gonna do? Well, they're all minions, so the players wade in and start hacking away, and 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 it makes them feel badass and and super competent and all that stuff. Like it it did what it was supposed to do, and it wasn't hard to to adjudicate. So, um, so I really enjoyed that. If I, if my quick skimming of the internet is anything, tells me anything, um, minions are destroyed when they take any amount of damage. Yep. So as long as you just hit them, they're dead. Uh, they take no damage from missile attacks though. I don't think we ever use that rule correctly. You know, I, I remember that rule now and I think we did, but, um, I don't know. That was that was a, one of those weird corner things about like why would you not take damage from a missile? I mean, I mean, <laughs> yeah, obviously sure. it's more fun to wade into them hand to hand than to just sit back and go plunk 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 plunk. Okay, they're all gone. Like you know, <laughs> but but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, not, that knock, knocking them down with a single hit's great, right? Because yeah. it's just like you know, like I mean, and that's it, right? They're meat shielding, yep. like. There's no trample damage, so yep. you know that that cool thirty six point hit you did. Yeah, that just killed the minion. Yeah, <laughs> like, like yeah, that's that's it. Just killed yep. the minion. So good. Well, all right. So that's our episode on minions. Yeah, we hope this helps you out. Next time you are dropping some minions on your game, uh, hopefully you can put some of this advice to use. Awesome. Now we're gonna check in one more time with the chat room before we head over to the conversation corner, and. Uh... Yeah, I think I we think, answered all that. I questions. think we're all good. I think we're all good. Oh, uh, Gator actually asked, what's the fantasy game where you play the minions after the party just got TPK'd? And I that honestly so don't familiar. Know. I don't think it's Torchbearer. Torchbearer, you play like Tomb Raiders and stuff like like trying to 
gather up everything you can carry. Tomb Raider is like the gritty version of playing, um, like uh, of a dungeon crawl. Yeah. Okay. Oh, what's the? It sounds. Yeah, it's so not ringing funny. any bells for me, so I got nothing. Yeah. I mean, I'll Google a little while we're while we're chilling in the conversation corner, see if I can't scare something up. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's roll on over there. Boing, 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 boing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <clears throat> this past Sunday, uh, we had our iHunt session, which uh, is quite possibly our last um, uh, uh, remote iHunt session for the foreseeable future. We're probably going to go back to face-to-face for the next one, uh, unless somebody's ill or, or we, we need to do a remote for some reason. Um, and again, it was, it was everything that, uh, one could expect from a game with myself, Tony and Glenn as the characters. Um, we went up against the douchey rich guy, um, who was, um, using magic to try and extort the, uh, the neighborhood to try and buy their homes at super low prices so that he could, you know, make a mint on the resale and, and, or knock them all down for development or whatever. Um, and, uh, when it became apparent that he was definitely using magic and, and out to harm people with that magic, it's like, he's a monster. He's officially a monster. We're going to take him down. And that means extinguish, kill, snuff, whatever word you want to use. <laughs> and, uh, Tony's character, Geo suddenly had this major crisis of conscience. Like, should we be doing this? Can I take this dude's life? Like, what are we doing here? And it's like, no, do it. It's <laughs> he deserves well, and it. I, and and I had to be the heavy, right? Because uh-huh. I was like, I was like, so I was like, quick reminder: you spent the only three hundred dollars you had getting your buddy out of uh, lockup yesterday morning. Your financial situation, the the fragile tension of your financial situation, has been completely disrupted. Yep. Um, and there's a five thousand um, dollar contract for killing this guy. Yeah. Although technically um, the contract didn't specifically say "quote unquote" kill, but it said uh-huh. "fix the problem." So, it said "fix in quotes." Fix in quotes. So it was "fix in quotes," and you learned it was from a drug dealer. I yeah. think you understand. I'm the, really confident that, uh, that confident yeah. you executed the contract correctly. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, the fight was good, though. Yeah, it was. It was an entertaining combat. Um, it uh, it had all of the Excuse me. Ah, the good faith bits. We set up a ton of aspects on the table, and then people were like, "No, no, got to use this, this, and this to boost my boost my roll. Need to use this, this, and this." It was uh, it was a good time. And uh, yeah, I'll just mention I'll just mention um, because um, Jason is saying forcible relocation would have worked. Yeah, forcible relocation would not have worked. Um, first of all, the conceit of the game is you kill monsters. Um, that is one of the conceits of the game of I hunt is like, you are out there killing monsters. Second of all, um, wizards, especially these wizards are extremely privileged. Um, there's nothing, there's nothing you could do to this wizard, um, in the, in the confines of, of any kind of, um, legal system or anything else that would have had, um, like you would have been unable to affect that. Yeah. In fact, one of the aspects you knew he had was, um, do you know my father? Yes, perhaps you know my father. It's like, oh, great. No. Yeah. No, but it is. So it is. I mean, like the the ugly part of, of I Hunt is that like 
you're killing monsters because you know you're trying not to you know um uh be broke and yeah, lose like your apartment start, trying not to lose your apartment trying to yeah afford medication and yep. i mean and, and and rightfully so the the true horror of i hunt is not hunting monsters yep the true horror of i hunt is living in this like it living in this capital like capitalism apocalypse yep yeah yeah good times good times mm-hmm. um uh finally finished up uh shira season five that finale was amazing um and then of course um i i saw the announcement that they're they're gonna do a season six which um senda was like oh how do you season six after that ending it's like well <laughs> they're gonna um so it will be it will be a thing um but that show did so many things uh, much like steven universe before it um so many positive messages and um you know inclusive things and like it's just a well well written show for everything that it's doing um and it was a good time so looking forward to season six of that um still uh cruising along playing valheim um now to the point where with with better gear um feeling a little froggy and uh you know taking uh taking some more chances i went up on a mountain by myself um you know stuff like that things that used to be like oh we don't go there we're like oh let's go there let's uh you know let's do this let's do that so and then of course um this week has been uh a lot of prep for uh my housemate moving out which the movers were here today and uh and so there was that whole thing um and now i get to start working on my own uh my own uh reclaiming of the house as the sole occupant um a lot of the furniture was my housemates a lot of the uh the aesthetic um you know it was a woman's touch you know mm-hmm. um so there are things that uh you know that are going to go back to being dude did this, you know, <laughs> I have a little bit of a sense of style, but it's not going to be like, you know, super coordinated and all this other shit. It's, <laughs> it's going to be functional. Plus I don't want to do anything over the top because my plan is to get the hell out of this house. Now that it's just me, put it up for sale, get myself a nice condo and go from there. So, so I'm yeah, not, I mean, gonna, I think that's I'm, a, I'm I mean, I think that's there. a better plan. Yeah. So, so that's me. I remember what, I remember when I first moved uh, back from Auburn back to Buffalo, um, when I lived by myself in the house, but it came time to start packing things up. And I realized that after 20 years in the house, there were actually three things on the wall that I put up and that was it. I hadn't, <laughs> I, I, had, uh, I hadn't decorated the house for 20 years, except with just yeah. shelves full of game stuff, um, which is why it was tough to move into this place. Cause I didn't, I was still living here. I hadn't put anything up yet. Yeah. So, uh, then, my, then my wife moved in and she, did a much better job of making the place look like a place instead of a giant warehouse full of Legos. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, Jer, what else is going on with you? Uh, well, I'm, I'm about halfway through season two of She-Ra, so I've been enjoying it as well. Um, watched the first couple episodes of MODOK, uh, the new Marvel show. It's okay. It's basically a half-hour episode of Robot Chicken. If you like Robot Chicken, you'll like MODOK. It's, some of the jokes kind of fall flat, and it's very non-canon, but the Easter eggs are constant, and it's got a lot of Marvel in-humor. Um, it's definitely a comedy. It's it's fun. It's it's, it's you know, give it a good seven out of ten. Um, Valheim has been just a lot of fun um, since we 
got the new gear and Bob and I did a lot of practice together doing a lot of things. Um, there were lots of parts of the game, parts of the map that were just no-go zones for us. We expanded until we hit a swamp or a plains or a mountain. That's where you stopped. You just, we would go, when, oops, there's there's swamp. We're not going any further. Now we're exploring the swamps and, and seeing a lot more of the map and finding neat little things and discovering more fun stuff. And it's it's been a lot of fun. And uh, I really like the teamwork aspect of it. Um, there's been a lot of stuff that we've done where um, just the two of us have gone in to do different different things where, you know, oh, I want to know what's over there. So do, a, do me a favor, watch my back while I go over there so I don't get jumped on by a goblin or whatever. And so it's just, it's been a lot of uh, exploration. We, we, uh, we've got a little overboard with building things. We will often go to a spot like, oh, look, there's a, there's a little like structure. Let's go, um, let's go put, you know, a couple of beds in a fire pit and a, and a, and a crafting station in there to make it a place we can, we can stay in, you know, a nice little like five by five building. And four hours later, it's four stories tall and reinforced with stone and there's a complete foundry in it because that's what we do. We tend to, we we go farther. Um, this was the last week of Kids on Brews and it's, uh, Glenn runs an amazing game. Um, he does a really good job of, with five players in Zoom, making sure that every player gets to shine and kind of get their spotlight and still interact. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, um, we were thinking about doing, um, Low Stakes is our next game, which is another Craig Campbell game, which is basically the RPG version of what we do in Shadows. And that's when I realized I hadn't seen what we do in Shadows. So um, I got it on YouTube. It was cheap and watched it. So I watched that this weekend. It was a lot of fun. Very, very fun little show. Our movie, um, which is about basically a comedy by the director of Thor Ragnarok about four modern vampires sharing a flat in New Zealand um, and all the silliness that goes along with that. So that's why they had a good time. Bill? Uh, yeah, Bob touched on I Hunt. I talked about uh, Sunstone Mercy earlier. Um, continued watching Voyager. Uh, still binging Blacklist. I'm still uh, at the point where they haven't jumped the shark yet. So um, just kind of letting that roll uh, in the mornings and stuff. Um, I don't know if I've done anything else. Um, I-, I took some bike rides. I think that's probably it. Well, then let's go to our Patreon shout-outs. <clears throat> and, uh, Phil, we have one queued up just for you. I got it. All right. So thank you once again to our patrons, Brian King, Brian Kurtz, Chris Steele, Kubano, Curtis Y. Takahashi, Eileen Barnes, Eric Mengi, J.T. Evans, Jared Rasher, and Jen Pixelscape Skagney. And thank you to everyone for listening tonight. If you are free on Tuesday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. the Queen's time, come join us live on Twitch, where you can chat with the other listeners in the awesome chat room for life and ask us the occasional questions. And if you cannot make the live show, check out our podcast each week, wherever you get your podcasts. Take a listen to some of the other shows in the Mr. Mark Network, such as Mastery Dungeons, Own Sword Obsidian, The FM Gamers, Panis Talking Games, The Gnome Cast, Jean Who Hustle, The Lounge, Bonus Experience, and back episodes of She's Super Geek. You can and should also check out our sibling podcasts, Tabletop Bellhop, The Nights of the Night, and the always amazing Gaming and BS. After you have dispatched your minions and before they return home in body bags, leave us some feedback. You can reach us directly via email, mmp at misdirectedmark.com. You can hit us up on Twitter. The show and the network is at misdirectedmark. 
He's Robert M. Everson. He's Jim Gerrymander, and I am DNA Phil. If you like what we do here and any other shows in the Distracted Mark Network, you can support our Patreon campaigns. MMP, Mastering Dungeons and Pandas Talking Games are at patreon.com slash MMP. Zhangu Hustle is at patreon.com slash Zhangu Hustle. And Bonus Experience is at patreon.com slash bonus experience. Patrons of MMP, Mastering Dungeons and Pandas Talking Games get access to the after show, pre-production show notes, musical parodies, the Bamboo Lounge, and other special releases. This has been a Mr. Mark production. The media arm of Encoded Design. Mic drop. We out.